Welcome back to the Adventures of a Disney Dad podcast. My name is Matt Brandenburg. I'm a dad of three and the founder of AdventuresofADisneyDad.com, a travel agent with the Magic Plus Travel and your host. I'm joined by our podcast co-host, Chip Robinson, no longer the soon-to-be dad of five. He is the dad of five. Chip, how are you doing tonight? Oh, we're doing well. We've, we've had, we had two snow days this week, so uh, as it's a teacher, it's, it's the greatest thing in America. <laughs> I'm I'm so sick of being cold. And we had uh, Friday snow day, Monday Martin Luther King day, and then Tuesday we had like a teacher in service day. So it was like it was like longest weekend ever. My kids were like, you couldn't leave the house because it was like negative fifteen. Just just an absolute nightmare. But we're back. We're gonna talk some Disney, some Universal. Tonight we're doing a listener questions episode. But first we got some news to get into. And some of this was a little bit fun. So I'm excited about it. Disney announced the concert lineup for the Garden Rocks concert series at the Epcot uh, Flower and Garden Festival. Chip, did you get a chance to take a look at it? Do any of the bands intrigue you? What are your thoughts on the Garden Rocks concert series? The Simple Plan is probably the biggest one I thought. would. I'd be like, all right, I'd go see them. I know you're a big fan. But that's, I mean, there's a couple of ones that are from like the 80s that I, I wouldn't mind. Like Jody Messina, I guess she's in 90s country. I like her. I'd go see her, which I I think might be her first year. Maybe she's coming to pass. It's a pretty big name. She's playing in Chicago at the uh, Windsor. There's some big names, but there's also some bands where I have no idea who they are. I think for the most part, I felt like I there were a lot that I had no idea who they were. And I think Lit was the other big, like, 90s millennial band that was announced in addition to Simple Plan. Simple Plan plays Epcot Garden Rocks Festival every year. They're awesome. I'm a huge fan. Another thing I'd mention is like, don't be surprised if you see, you know, some of these band members or these celebrities walk around the parks with a VIP tour guide. I've mentioned on the podcast, I got to have lunch with the lead singer of Simple Plan for the Garden Rocks concert series last year. Shows are free, which is a huge benefit. They're included with your park ticket. The one recommendation I would have if you're interested in any of these bands is to get there early. Uh, people will start lining up and like probably 90 minutes in advance. You can get a dining package so that you get reserved seating up at the front. It's not really necessary. You'll get a seat. But the issue is that some of those seats are for that amphitheater at Epcot are in the sunlight. And you're talking about, you know, it, it can get kind of hot. So keep that in mind. Big interesting point about that festival this year is that it's about a month shorter. I noticed that. Did you yeah, notice not, that? We're not, we're not going to see it that when we go late June. I was kind of like, which yeah, since since when twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen they've extended it all the way through July fourth or right around July fourth, and this is going back. They're bringing it back to what they were doing pre twenty nineteen. Yeah, and it, you know what's interesting is I, I've got friends that are going the first week of uh, June that I'm planning their trips, their first ever trip to Walt Disney World, and they're huge music buffs. And so I was bumped for them because I thought they might get to see somebody good. Unfortunately, they're not going to get to see anybody because it's not going to be happening. The big question, I think, and I've seen some rumors, you know, jumping around online, is we know Epcot doesn't like to go more than a few days without a festival. True. So are we going to get a surprise new festival in the middle of the summer? Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Star Wars right? Back? I don't know. I, I mean, there studios. could be something fun Disney's cooking up because I, it's just hard to imagine that they're going to go that long without having a festival. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. When you speak of big names, 
Universal dropped their Mardi Gras concert series lineup the next day. And they've got big names. A lot less concerts, but they've got some big ones. We've got Bare Naked Ladies, Walker Hayes, All American Rejects. All American Rejects. I'm a big fan. That that throws back to my childhood. Walker Hayes, he's the... He's the country singer that did the Applebee's on a late night. Back to high school, you you and I read Applebee's every every Friday night. You know what? You know that that is that is true. But that song on TikTok drives me insane. Casey and the Sunshine Band, L King, DJ Khaled, another one. Yeah, big name. Let's see. Oh, Luis Fonsi, who sings the Despacito song with that was remixed by Justin Bieber, and then Zed. I mean, could you imagine at being in a rager at Universal in front of Rip Ride Rocket with the Zed? I, I think it's a pretty awesome lineup they've got. You definitely have to line up a lot earlier for these acts at Universal, but they are included with the park, park admission. I've seen Matchbox 20 at the Mardi Gras concert series. It, it's an awesome venue. I think it's probably, and my wife would agree, it's probably my favorite concert I've ever been to. Just because so, it's just a unique atmosphere. Just because I've never been to one of them. Or do they play only one show a night? Like versus like the, the Candlelights, two, they do two shows. Is it one or two? So Mardi Gras at Universal is one long show. So they'll do like a two or three hour set. The shows that are at the Epcot Garden Rocks Festival are three sets a night typically. And oh, wow. they're about 45 minutes each. Okay. So like... Simple plan. The one one time I went and saw them. I mean, they're doing so they're doing four days, three concerts a day. So they'll go, you know, five forty-five, seven, and eight thirty, or something like some weird stagger like that, where they've got like a fifteen-minute break in between. And what I notice is that they do a good job of doing a couple hits. Like most of the bands at these concerts, they'll do a couple hits in each different show. But for a lot of them, they're not doing the same songs in every show. Okay. Which which I like. like Because the one time I went from one day to Simple Plan, I went to all three shows, and they played all different songs at all three shows. That's sweet. So it, it ends up being like one big concert. The only bad part is you have to exit the amphitheater, get in line, <laughs> and come line. back in. And those lines... Particularly, Simple Plan was really popular. The line was huge at Epcot. So I had seats kind of way up in the back. But like that amphitheater, they're all good seats. It's not like it's, not like it's a huge stadium or anything. So it's, it's uh, almost if you're like going to be able to... It's, it's like being underneath the, the pavilion at an outdoor festival. You're not in the... I mean, and it, even smaller. Even smaller. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's not, it does not hold a lot of people. So it's not like there's a bad spot. So... I, it is absolutely a must-do if you're there and there's any interest whatsoever in hearing some of this live music. Definitely check out one of the bands. If not, you know, if you're not interested in whoever's going to be there during your trip, then skip it. But free live music is always fun. Epcot, beers, you know, drinks, whatever. Enjoy it. Uh, I, I definitely recommend it. So in terms of news, there's After Hours dates were extended. We talked a little bit about After Hours last week. My thoughts really haven't changed. If if you have to watch the park hours to see if it's worth it, if they're continuing to open the parks up a little bit later on a Friday, saying Magic Kingdom staying up until eleven, you have less of a desire to spend extra money to get you know three hours of after hours events. 
but I do think it's good that they're continuing to to push those out and closer to the summer. Big River Grill. Yeah, I think you texted me about this one, Chip. Big River <laughs> Grill is closing. It is no more. Did you you never went, correct? I've never been there now. I didn't even know. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I knew it was there, but I would I couldn't tell you where it's at on the board. It, it's no love lost. It's no love lost. So RIP to Big River Grill. If you were a fan, I'm sorry. But for the most part, I guess you're probably all like Chip and don't know where it was. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a headliner and and we won't miss it, to be honest with you. No. The the last big one, and and Chip, I posted about this on social media. And I got a bunch of DMs with people with all kinds of opinions about this. Nelson Peltz, who, if you don't know, is basically trying to force his way onto the Walt Disney Company board. He has a large amount of shares through his different funds and asset management groups that he, wear, that he has. But essentially, he's a Disney shareholder, has a lot of control of the company, and wants to have a board member to represent his interests. And he pretty much hates Bob Iger and the current board members. He hates the direction of the company. He's very vocal about it. He was on CNBC and made some comments about how the board's not doing a very good job, which is not surprising. But it was it was interesting that he pointed out specifically that the competitors, Universal was the one he named, are really kicking into gear with new parks in Las Vegas, new parks in Texas, new parks in Orlando. They're building, they're building quickly. And Disney is basically kind of staying stale or taking their time. I think he called it getting the parks are getting long in the tooth. And I, I, I tend to agree with that part of it. I don't agree with pretty much anything else you know, he says. So don't come after me because a few people were like, you know, Nelson Pulse is a whack job and yada, yada, yada. He hates Disney. Like, I get all those things. I'm not endorsing Nelson Pulse. Chip, I don't think you would either. Chip, you and I have talked a lot about it on this podcast that competition is good for all the parks for us, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. What I, did you think about what, that clip? When I watched it, I had to see it. I saw it on your uh, stories, and it was one of those things where it's like, it's not wrong in terms of competition. And I get it. Nothing's really changed. I mean, listen, I love going to Disney World. I am intrigued to go to Universal. Like I'm very intrigued, and and even though not being a Harry Harry Potter fan, in in size, like if you want to talk about size, like I know I can ride every Disney ride, but every Universal I can't ride. I'm too tall or I'm too wide, like one one of those things. It definitely intrigues me because going after I can't wait to see Super Mario World like land. Like I'm that is my childhood. My kids Mario Kart man. Oh yeah. My kids got to switch it for Christmas, and that was the first thing I downloaded was Mario Kart and Super Mario 3 from, from the NES. So I would love to see it. Like, you see all this stuff over in Shanghai. You see the, the Frozen Land. Bring that over here. You see Zootopia. Bring that over here. It's needed. We're getting – we're getting. it's getting boring. I, 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 I agree. And I like I said, I think that they're going to have – one way or another, they're going to have to kick themselves in the gear. But one thing that I don't think people talk about enough – is the way that Epic Universe is going to spread people out in Florida. Oh, yeah. It's going to bring it's going to bring more people in, no no doubt about that. But when you talk about wait times at Universal Studios or Islands of Adventure or even Disney, it is going to have an impact because there's going to be more people spread out over a lot of space. And Epic Universe is going to be the hot new thing. I can't wait to go. I think what Universal doing is doing is phenomenal. We're certainly going to talk about Universal more on this podcast. 
and we're going to write about it more on our website. I, I think it's it's great. And what's huge is they're doing more stuff for kids. Right now, Chip, you and I have little kids. A lot of our audience has little kids. Universal isn't, frankly, like built for little kids. They're building an entire park in Texas for little kids. And Epic Universe is definitely going to have more options for the, the young ones. So I can't wait. Um, I mean, I've gotten feedback there that uh, my brother was down at uh, Royal Pacific. And he said his daughter loved the pool, loved all the facilities. So makes me want to, makes me want to book a night or two there. So no doubt. And and I want to mention I, I had a conversation, a long conversation with Allie Parker about these issues on Instagram. So shout out to Allie because she had a lot of really great points about Disney kind of feeling like it's lost the magic a little bit and you know what they can do to get it back and make us all feel like it's that special place that we all fell in love with. So shout out to Allie. Great conversation. Thanks for um, following on social media and, and everybody else that reached out. I'm not trying to you know, not include everybody, but I can't mention them all on the podcast, but a lot of great conversations came from that clip. So I, I think we're all, we all want what's best for Walt Disney World, first and foremost, you know, and I, I had a lot of people that they're like, you're a travel agent. You're not, you're not supposed to be negative. Like I, I'm not being negative. Okay. I, I love Walt Disney World. But I view it as a positive because we're going to get competition. Disney's going to get better. Universal's going to get better. And in turn, we're going to get more content, better products. Hey, so, hey one, one, last, one, one, last, one last thing. You know, I'm trying to talk Magical Express back into existence. Putting it back in might alleviate some of that issue. Ah, come on. Listen. Mears is, Mears is there. Mears is there. And it's the same I, I'm with you. But, but I'm, I'm, when we're coming in, I'm looking at maybe stopping in at a Universal, flying a day early to go to it, because I don't have that direct shuttle to Disney. That that's my only thing about it. Is it's given me that oh well, maybe we should go over there for a day before we go over to Disney. Yeah, I, well, I, I definitely think you should. Number one, number two, I I just want to mention this just because I I did this recently. So Mirrors is generally going to be about half the price of private shuttle service. So I think Mirrors runs about $16 per adult and you're looking at like $32 per adult for a, you know, a bigger family taking a private van. The benefit of the private van is you go direct, your driver comes in to get you, to get your bags. They also help you get your bags and they park in a private area at MCO underneath the airport. Those are things that Mirrors doesn't do. And from, from my perspective, it is absolutely worth the extra 16 bucks a person each way to to take a private shuttle. And that's not a knock on Mears. Mears is a great service. I wish that it was back as Magical Express because they do a better job handling your bags and your luggage and stuff. But in terms of affordability, if you can bump yourself up to doing the private shuttle where you've got somebody coming in, especially like families, like ours with, like I've got too many bags to carry just me and my wife with three kids. <laughs> it's not, I mean, logistically it's not possible. Like. Luckily, my in-laws go, They, my brother-in-law, they help out and stuff. But having the driver be able to come up and be an extra pair of hands for bags and get us down and only have to go directly in an elevator and right down to take the the, the van out is a huge game changer in terms of logistics and stuff. So, so keep that in mind. But I, I don't disagree with you, Chip. I'd love to have Magical Express back. So let, let's jump into let's jump into our questions, man. We we've been going on the news a little bit and some good stuff coming out, but 
let's jump into these questions. The very first one that we got from Lauren is tips for first time visits to Universal Orlando. What are your first thoughts? If somebody comes to you and they say, you know, they want to do a first time trip to Universal or even for your family's first time trip to Universal, what are your thoughts? I think one of the things you got to do is figure out what what's priority. For me in my family, it's it might be going to Harry Potter and doing the whole Harry Potter and spending maybe a whole day or at least half a day going full throttle into that. And maybe the Seuss land. My kids aren't really big roller coaster fans. So we're not probably going to go do that, but they also have the Marvel and we're not Simpsons people. So I guess that kind of, but so maybe going over. I wonder who is, who is a Simpsons person anymore? (laughs) There has to be people because it's still running, but I digress. I think it's one of those where you just got to figure out what's the right plan for you and and maybe attack where you want to go. And and you've, you've talked to me and I've got to get the max pass. If you're going to do, especially with kids, max pass has got to be, the biggest thing you do because waiting in line for hours potentially is not good. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Express Pass Universal is a must. The the other thing for people like you, Chip, that have kids that I know love the the water parks, Volcano Bay is incredible. So definitely keep in mind that their their water parks at Universal are amazing. They've got great hotels. And the the biggest trick that you need to keep in mind, I call it a trick, but it's well known within the travel agent space. I feel like it's not talked about enough generally on social media, but the most important thing you need to keep in mind when you book a trip at Universal is the resorts that are going to have the Express Pass included. Because if you look at the price of Express Pass, it's not like Genie Plus. Genie Plus, you know, 20 or 30 bucks a person per day. Express Pass is more like 149 to 349 per person per day. And that's regular Express Pass or Express Pass Unlimited. You can go back and check out our episode with Max Huber where we talked about that in detail. But the biggest thing is when you factor in the cost of where you're staying, it's always best to check and see if you can get a room at a Universal Hotel that includes Express Pass because then you get it automatically for two days. Your check-in day and your resort day, Express Pass is included. Even if you are not going to stay at the Universal Resort, sometimes it can be more cost-effective to pay for a Universal Hotel. And I know that that sounds crazy. I've had people tell me that it's crazy until they see the math of it. Express Pass can be that expensive that if you are staying at a Disney hotel or an off-site hotel, that it might be more cost-effective for your family to just get a room at Universal and not even stay there just to get Express Pass included. So keep that in mind. Make sure you're looking through all those things. Reach out to a travel agent if you want to double check the numbers. You want to work with somebody that's kind of seasoned at doing this kind of thing. That's part of the reason why travel agents do do what we do and, you know, have clients that we can help because some of these things you're just not, you don't know what you don't know. And so it's not something that you know to ask or kind of look into. So that's my biggest tip. If you're going on a first time universal, you've got to have Express Pass, like Chip said. And I really think you should, you know, make sure you're checking the cost. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Volcano Bay looks awesome. Um, We've driven by it a couple times now, and it just looks like there's so many slides. It just looks phenomenal. And I've heard people say that it's the best water park in the United States. So if if you're going to stay there, it might be something to think about as well, especially with kids. And if you're going in the summer or even if you're going when it's hot out, which in Florida could be, I don't know. 
any day. <laughs> Hot and humid, all the things. The next question that we got, and that, that's going to be our universal question for the day. The next question we got is about Bibbidi Boppity Boutique. And Chip, you've uh, done Bibbidi Boppity Boutique at Disney Springs. We've done Bibbidi Boppity Boutique a couple times at, at Magic Kingdom. So we've got some experience there. The first question is, is it worth it for boys? Did you ever consider doing it with either of your with your son? No. When you guys did it? No, I don't. He's not really. That's not his thing. Like he, I don't think he would really like that. Kelly and I looked at it the, for one time and was like, eh. I mean, it was just kind of. I think it's really the outfit, right? Is that the only? I mean, they might do a little bit. Well, there. Maybe. So, yeah, there, there's there's a couple different options when it comes to boys. You can basically just get like a small package where they're essentially getting a shield and like hair gel and that's it but there's also prince options i think it's prince charming prince naveen and prince eric if i remember correctly uh, you're, you uh, are right, where yeah. they yeah where they can get costumes and then they also get hair gel but it's not you know the full experience the same in the same way that the, the the girls have by any means but there there are some options there for boys mainly i think if you've got a daughter and you know a son that doesn't want to feel left out um, doing something special we did not do it for either of our boys when Haley's done it our daughter mostly because i think chip we agree with you like even though he likes to play like you know wear superman costumes or whatever just isn't really really his thing i can't get him to wear hair gel on a, on a normal day <laughs> nonetheless somebody else putting it on him i'll tell you one of the things we did with bear thinking about it is when kenzie went in my dad and stepmom took him to Lego Lego store and they let him spend about the same cost it would have been for Bippity Boppity Boutique. And it was, he got to pick it out and he felt really like, oh, she did that. I got to do this. That's her thing. This is my thing. So that might be enough. That, like, that's a great way to do it. If you're, if you're at Disney Springs, if you're at the Magic Kingdom, maybe just plan it to go to Disney Springs to do something like that or and and we my mother-in-law took the boys to go ride like the teacups and stuff and grab coffee so that's what we did when we were at magic kingdom and you have to keep in mind they only let two people go in there during bibbidi boppity boutique so if you've got like a multi-generational trip where the grandparents are involved they'll let you like swap in and out so mom and dad and grandma and grandpa can each have kind of some time with you know the daughter or granddaughter getting the the full to do so that they can all experience it but they're not going to let that many people in there still i think that's something that's going to stay post covid the other part of this question that i found interesting was for the girls is the signature dress worth it and i'll just mention the signature dress is there's only four of them there's aurora bell elsa and cinderella and they are significantly more expensive i think they're 320 or 350 just for the dress Versus the entire package for the the signature for the non-signature package, I think it's called the deluxe package, is like two twenty all in. So to give you some context, we we the first time we did it, we did the signature dress, and I think it was around five fifty total. And the only reason why we did the signature dress is because my daughter it was the first time we'd ever done it. She really wanted to do Cinderella, and they did not have her size in the regular dress. So she had her heart set on Cinderella going in there and it would have just broken my soul to say no to her when they, it was only because they didn't have her size. So it was a, it was a really 
we didn't do it because we expected the signature dress to be so much better. It was just that it was the circumstances that we were in. But that said, I will say that the signature dress has been worth it in terms of quality. It's it's a far, far, far better quality. It's more like what I would say is like a more like a prom dress or oh. like a pageant dress. It is very, very high quality. The deluxe package dress is more like what you're gonna buy on Shop Disney or at you know the, the parks. And that's not to say that those aren't fun play quality too, because that's what we did on our last trip. My daughter chose Tiana. It was the play quality dress. It was great. She had a great time. Absolutely worth it. She'll play in the dress like crazy. And then, you know, you, you can pick from there. Chip, did you guys do the signature or did you just do the did you do the regular? Do you remember? We just we just did the regular. We didn't do the any of the dresses. We actually came with our own dress. That's a huge tip. Because this person also asked for tips. And Chip, you need to expand on that because that's a great tip. Okay, so like I said, and if you've listened before, I'm my wife and I are very cheap, and she's she's the thrifter, all that, whatever. That's her that's her forte. I, I just like to do whatever. We bought a dress off Amazon, and we surprised our daughter. She had no idea she was doing it. Kept it in the bag in the, in my wife's bag, and then the day of, we kind of told her, "Hey, this is what you're going to do. We're, we've got the dress for you." She wore the dress over. And it, I mean, the, we bought the dress off Amazon. It's thirty bucks. It's maybe fifty bucks. I don't know. It's we still have it. It's not in bad shape. It's it's held up really nice. It saved us. I don't know a couple hundred bucks versus buying the the, the high quality signature package. I will say the other thing that I'm probably thinking about doing is just buying a Taylor Joel dress. I've seen people do that. And I'm thinking I'm I, the reason why is it's so hot in the summer. I mean, my daughter, God bless her, she loved it, and she. But about two o'clock that day, because we went at, at ten o'clock, right when springs open, or maybe nine o'clock. By about two o'clock, she was sweating. She still wanted her hair and makeup on, but she was ready to change. So, buying a Taylor Joel dress for seventy dollars is about the same thing that we're probably going to do for both our daughters. I, I'll be honest with you. I think the quality of the Taylor Joel dresses is better than the Disney, the shop Disney dresses, which is the, you know, the basic. Bibbidi Boppity Boutique deluxe package dress that you're going to get. They're different, right? The Taylor Joel dresses are, are made more for play, and but they're they're not that much different. And I, I definitely agree with you. Like you, you can get a lot of quality and a lot more comfort for your daughter, I think, by going that route. And they've got some great options there too. So definitely check that out. I'll, I'll the, another tip would be the the outlet. I know Matt, where you and I are from, there's a Disney outlet down there. I always send you a picture when I go down, go home and visit. We found their dresses there, not the signature, but the the Disney apparel ones. We've seen those in the Disney, I don't know if they call it the Disney store or whatever. They are there. So that, that's another option as well. And I'll, I'll just run through it real quick for anybody that's listening. The deluxe castle package is $229.95 plus tax. It includes the deluxe dress of your choice, not the signature dress, the deluxe dress, a necklace, and a deluxe Disney princess accessory set. So you get like the crown or the bow and like the staff, things like that. Then you've got the castle package, which is uh, $200. It's got a Disney princess dress of your choice. That's not deluxe, so it's a little bit lower. And it includes a carriage necklace and a wand or, or a crown of your choice. Then you've got the new Disney Encanto package, which is a Mirabelle dress or a Louisa dress, I believe. 
And that is $179.95. And it's an Encanto dress and Encanto accessory set. The deluxe night package includes the deluxe costume that we mentioned, which is Prince Charming, Prince Eric, or Prince Naveen. Hair gel. You can get color confetti as well, a mighty sword and a shield. And then you get your, for the girls, when it comes to the castle package, you get shimmer makeup, a face gem, nail polish, a sash, a cinch bag, then your necklace and accessory set, and your hair done in the hairstyle of your choice. So it's it's an awesome experience for the dads that listen. You got to do it with your daughter <laughs> at least one time. It is the quintessential Disney experience, I think, if you're a girl dad. I, I you know, spend the money. And yes, I hate those shirts that say, like, most expensive day ever. I ranted about that on Instagram today. today. You are you, you are not just the credit card for the trip. It is your trip also. Enjoy it. Enjoy uh, this time with your daughter because it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And I, I would absolutely recommend it. Moving on, Chip, this is, a, this is a question that I know that you have some thoughts on. And I, I have some thoughts on this too. Crowd calendars, are they accurate? Are they helpful? Do you use them on your trips? What do you think about crowd calendars, Chip? If I'm, I, I go, I've gone 4th of July lately and it says it's crowded, but last year, you and I both know it wasn't. Really, is, I think Disney's always crowded right now. We've gotten to the point now where and maybe this is the dead time right now between January and February. This might be the, the slow time. Everything else is busy. They've got food and wine has got taken off. And it's that's that used to be the dead time where it was quiet. But I don't really look at them very often. I mean, every once in a while I might. Or actually, I'll look at like, hey, the week going in, how did it project versus what, what it actually was? Like sometimes I'll do that with uh, some of them. So I, I think those are great points. And, and the only thing I'm going to add here is that the best crowd calendar that you can get, excuse me, the best crowd calendar that you can get is going to be the one that Disney provides, which is their ticket prices. Yeah. If you look at their single day ticket prices on a month by month basis, you can pull it up and it'll show you it's they, they, they raise the prices on days they expect it to be busy. And it is very obvious, you know, where in the month they think it's going to be crowded at the parks because the prices are high. So if you take a look at that, there is nobody, there's nobody. I don't care what any website says. I don't care what you have to pay <laughs> to get their data. There is nobody that knows the Disney crowd calendar better than Disney. Okay. They know how many rooms they have booked. They're booking at like 97% capacity right now. They know how many people they're going to expect in the parks. Particularly, they, they've got an idea of the data after they started to make changes where they removed the 2 p.m. park hopper and things like that because they know how crowds are going to move. So definitely start there. If you're going to, if you want to use the crowd calendar, start there. The second place that I would look is Thrill Data. It's thrill-data.com, and they have the probably like as close to Disney as you're going to get, and it's because they use what's what. Uh, nerds like myself like to call an API, they they pull the data direct from Disney, okay? So when it comes to wait times and when does Lightning Lane sell out, all of these like data-driven decisions, if you want to know the real raw data, go and check out thrilldata.com. It is awesome. And their crowd calendar is very good because they have raw wait time data directly from Disney that gets pulled on a daily basis. They compare it year to year. 
they can, they come up with a score. When I looked at it today, 2024 September seems to be the consensus, like slowest point at the park this year that they're expecting. But that said, you know, it's it's all kind of guessing and using different formulas to estimate what the parks are going to look like. Chip, you and I talked about July 4th last year. That was like a weird anomaly. But some of these other sites, I, I think they just kind of make it up as they go along. I've played around with creating a calendar, a crowd calendar for adventures at Disney.com, but it would largely be based on the same data that Thrill Data uses. So I'd rather just, I'd be honest, just send people there. I think the other thing is to look at Genie Plus. Like I'm looking at it right now, the Genie Plus cost calendar. Today it was 15 bucks. And the whole rest of the month, I mean, the highest you get is $20. And then obviously you get in spring break, you're going to see $35. But it's it's one of those things I would look at that as well. I think that's your more day of, hey, this house could be busy. So, yeah, I mean, that's certainly going to give you, like, if, if you're worried about the crowd today, you can check it. The other thing that's interesting that uh, I love looking at on Thrill Data is they'll post the uh, the, the posted wait time. And then the actual wait time um, in real time, so like during the day. And so if you see, it'll help you. Like when we went to Universal and I was seeing Velocicoaster at 120 minutes, Thrill Data was telling me that it was posted at 120 minutes, but people, the, the data was showing that people were getting in and out in 90 minutes. That's a huge <laughs> difference. Yeah. So I'm looking at that on my phone and I'm like, telling, I'm telling my wife like, yeah, it would be a two hour wait, but really it's only a 90 minute wait. We still didn't do it. <laughs> No, we still didn't do it, but it makes a, a big difference for people. And so definitely check out Thrill Data. They do a great job, and it's a, it's a great website. There, there's literally not a better data-driven website for anything you could want in this space than Thrill Data. And it's all free, which is beautiful. Number four from our questions tonight, what's the first thing you do when you plan a Disney vacation? Well, that's a wonderful open-ended question. Aside from dance around the room, when, when you, when you, let's, let's say you've locked in dates, but that's it. You're like, I know I'm going this week in June or whatever the case may be. What's your first step in terms of how you plan your Disney vacation? I figure out how many park days I want. And I still don't know that answer. We're going in, in late June over 4th of July again with my mom and stepdad. And I don't know how many park days we want. We might talking with you. I might be switching back to Saratoga. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, so that's one thing. I think that's the biggest thing. And then we're trying to, uh, with my kids, trying to figure out where they want to eat because we're going to do the dining plan. So we're trying to figure out where we want to sit down and we're doing that on YouTube. I mean, that's the biggest thing we're doing right now is just watching. All right. That looks like a good restaurant. Let's maybe put that on a list um, because realistically, other than, I mean, flights, you can't really do anything until 60 days out when you start booking your, your ADRs. Are you looking at your date, your park days, or number of park days before you pick a resort, or are you picking a resort first? I pick a resort first. So, uh, so technically speaking, you're, the first thing you're probably doing is, is picking a resort, and then you're jumping into park days and restaurants, right? Yeah, and, and, the, and the reason that being is I like taking a day, a couple days off. Now, this trip, we might get a, a park pass for every day just because with 4th of July – we might not go until we go see the fireworks at night. It, it, that's something we're thinking about doing. I'm thinking about doing a water park. I don't know. I, it's just one of those things right now we're up in the air of exactly how many number of days. 
also if we're going to fly in early a day early then i got to switch my resort and switch days so that that's one of our things that we're trying to figure out as well is that that kind of park days i guess what we're what we do for yeah and and i love that and i recommend that to guests a lot that that actually if you think about your park days before you pick your resort it helps you decide on your resort and by that i mean when i have people come to me and they say oh, we're going four or five days and we want to spend all our time in the parks I, i'm not going to recommend a deluxe resort that, yeah. that's just I, I think you're just throwing away money but if i get someone that comes you know we want to spend you know three to seven days and we want to spend you know half the time at the resort then you don't want to be necessarily in the value category right you might be looking more at a moderate or a deluxe and you know we're focusing on what pool we're going to be at and what restaurants are available at the resort and things like that so it, it, you know the number of days you want to spend in the park has a huge dynamic shift on what room and resort you want to be in which i, I think is really interesting and the same goes for park hopper if, if i get somebody that says they want park hopper plus they don't you know they plan to be in the parks the whole time then i'm even more like you are not going to be you're you're literally just gonna be sleeping somewhere yeah. So, you know, just, just take the cheapest option that you can get and, and call it a day. And the last thing that I'll, I'll mention when you, you know, when you think about all these things is, you know, how are discounts or potential discounts going to come into play? If I get somebody like when I book a guest around Christmas, I don't expect, I, I very much lower their expectations. You're probably not going to get a discount at all. But if I get somebody in September, uh, I, I let them know, like, if you're comfortable at a moderate level right now, there's a good chance that you're going to get some savings later or you're going to be able to bump up for the same price to a deluxe because there's there's likely going to be discounts. You got to manage the expectations because we we never know what they're going to do. But I think it's been pretty clear from the way Disney has rolled things out this year that they're going to be discount heavy, making sure everything's full. So I, I would also say what parts you want to be in to help place a factor, especially if you want to be at like Epcot, Hollywood Studios, and maybe you're just not a Magic Kingdom person or not an Animal Kingdom person, you're going to want to stay on the Skyliner or be able to walk to either of those two. That's something I would say is like, all right, how do you, what are you thinking? Like for us, this this upcoming trip, we're going to go to all four parks. Now, I don't know. It's going to be one of those. I think we're, we're, I think we're excited. Hey, what bus is coming? Oh, let's go to that park for the day versus having to make our park reservations uh, but that's just us because you and i have gone so many times now that it doesn't really matter like we're, we're excited to go wherever yeah and, and one other thing i want to mention it, it kind of goes a little into our next question so i don't, don't want to spoil it but if you've got a shorter trip and you're thinking about bailing on like animal kingdom staying at animal kingdom lodge is a wonderful hack Correct. because you can get access to the savannas and seeing all the animals when you're coming and going and spending time at your resort and then you just go to the other three parks. Not to say that Animal Kingdom isn't worth, you know, people going to. I don't mean that at all. But you get a little taste of it and you get some of that world-class zoo aspect right at your resort. Plus there's, you know, great food and everything else. And then you can, you know, use your park time at the other three parks if you're doing like a three or four day trip, which I think is is a great point. So that, that's that's our thoughts on what we we kind of do first. And that's kind of how I recommend guests figure it out when they're coming to me for a quote is 
the first thing you got to square down is your dates. Sometimes, you know, pricing and resorts can dictate your dates, you know, but for the most part, let's get the dates narrowed down and then we'll start looking into options. Five and six, I, I think were really great questions that I love today. And it really made me think a lot about this. If you had a two day or a three day park itinerary, vacation itinerary, so you got two days or three days available to go to parks, which parks are you skipping? And we're going to assume, because I, I think it was Alex that asked this question, we're going to assume that they've got kids. Alex, I think, has six and four. So let's let's assume you've got kids. Let's start with the first one. Three days in the parks, which park are you not going to? No park hopper. Yeah, which park there's, no, there's no park hopper. I'm, I'm probably skipping Animal Kingdom, and, and I would probably do that every day, all day, every day, unless there's one caveat is what's what are my kids into? If my kids are into animals, then I'm probably skipping maybe Epcot, which for me as an adult kind of stinks because I think it's it's my one of my it's, it's up there. But I think Hollywood Studios is a must, and I think Magic Kingdom is a must, just in terms of for for my my kids' ages. That's that's what they like. That's tough. I I would skip Animal Kingdom a lot. Animal Kingdom. And I love I love the tip of standing at Animal Kingdom Lodge as well. I think that's a great, great idea. That was that was my actual advice to him was, you know, stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge for three days or three nights or four nights or whatever wow. it was. And then skip that one because you're getting that world class zoo aspect, but you're you're not gonna spend as much time in the park. So um I think that's a great option. Where it gets really interesting to me is if you cut it down to two days. And here's why, Chip. If you said to me, my kid is not interested in Slinky Dog Dash, Hollywood Studios is out, in in my opinion. Because yeah. there, there's height, there's a lot of height requirements. And the the shows for the kids are probably a little bit younger, right? Like the Disney Junior dance parties, the characters. If they don't like Slinky Dog Dash, they're not digging Star Wars. They're not digging meeting Darth Vader. They're not digging meeting Chewbacca. That that really cuts it down at Hollywood Studios, right? Now, you said six and four, right, for the ages? Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, Magic Kingdom for sure is one. Keep in mind, at, a, at six and four, they're meeting all the high requirements at Hollywood Studios. Because my, 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 my three-year-old can get on Tower of Terror. So yeah. they're, they're everything except rock and roller coaster, but you're not putting a six and four year old that doesn't ride Slinky Dog on rock and roller coaster. <laughs> or, so it, or, it pretty much eliminates. Yeah. It really does. Like if if you if you put the barometer at they are too scared for Slinky Dog, which is is you know, I don't think Slinky Dog is scary. I think the the general consensus for parents around kids that age, I think once they're three, Slinky Dog is you know like the borderline there. But if that's where you draw the line, is that Slinky Dog is, is too scary, that they're more into like the Barnstormer at Magic Kingdom, then you pretty much have eliminated just about everything at Hollywood Studios. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you have a two-day park and you have two kids, six and four. You spend both days at Magic Kingdom. Wow. That, now, I, now, I, I, think, I, think, I think that's a hot take disrespecting Epcot. It is, but I'm also thinking, okay, as a as an adult, okay, what all rides? And and I, I'll argue, I love Epcot. I could spend hours I in the do. seas. I could spend hours in the seas. 
but I could also go to an aquarium pretty close by versus spending two whole days in the Magic Kingdom and maybe focusing on Fantasyland and Tomorrowland one day and then Frontierland and Adventureland another day. I think I would lean that way, but if you want to go to Epcot, which is what we did this past summer, is we did Epcot and we did Magic Kingdom. I, I love both. I love that idea. I would get rid. Of, I wouldn't go to Animal Kingdom or. Uh, what really throws a wrench in it for me is that you miss the opportunity to see Fantasmic. Yeah. And that's painful. That's painful. I like my kids. I think they're ready to argue that Enchantment is better than Happily Ever After, and they certainly feel like. They certainly feel like Fantasmic is better than Happily Ever After right now, which just hurts my soul because I'm such a Happily Ever After fan. And and my wife, my brother-in-law, like they're huge into Fantasmic. So that hurts. But like you got to think about the nighttime shows. But it, it, you you really have gutted Hollywood Studios if, if we're drawing the line at Slinky Dog. I think that's a great point about Magic Kingdom. You know, and, and maybe since you don't need park reservations anymore, you could do first day at Magic Kingdom. And you play the second day by year. Either you do another day at Magic Kingdom or you haul over to Epcot and, you know, you meet a bunch of princesses, you do a bunch of characters, Frozen, Ratatouille, all all those. So we're getting close to the end. So we're probably going to wrap it up here. And this is the last one I want to answer. And we'll, we'll, there's three other questions that we're going to hold until next week. The last one I want to answer here is if you have a, an option between Port Orleans Riverside and Coronado Springs. Which one are you picking? Ooh, am I in the Royal Room? It's just <laughs> that, let's not, not get into because that's like saying, all right, am I in the tower? Am I in the yeah. tower? And like everybody's picking Coronado Springs. So let's just do like basic standard room. Yeah, let's just standard room. I'm gonna go on I'm gonna say I want to stay at Riverside. There's there's two reasons why. Old uh Old Man Island, the pool. I think that's phenomenal. I love the boat surf, being able to take the boat over to Disney Springs. It's a smaller resort. It's one bus stop. Transportation, honestly, is probably about the same because they're both about the same distance from everything. Uh, but I'm going to go Port Orleans Riverside. Even though Coronado is probably my favorite modern. I'm, if you can see my face, if you're watching on YouTube, you'd understand. I've been in the I feel like Chip stabbed me in the back. You, you've, been, you've been talking about Mardi Gras. You got me... Beignets, I can walk over and get beignets. I, I think you see it a lot where Port Orleans Riverside is priced a little bit higher than Coronado Springs, like, you know, maybe 20 or 30 bucks a night, something like that. Coronado Springs is the, the winner, and it's not close for me personally, mostly because the transportation options are pretty much the same. The locations are both pretty much the same insofar as they're not great. In terms of how long it's gonna take you on the bus, it's about the same to to go to the parks. But Coronado's restaurants, I think, are significantly better. Maya Grill, Three Bridges, the even Rick's, the sports bar. Uh, at, you know, Port Orleans Riverside doesn't really have those kind of options. The pools, I think, are are. I give the edge a little bit to Port Orleans Riverside, but the, the pool and I mean the biggest slide at Walt Disney World is at yeah. Coronado. So it's not like the pool at Coronado is bad or anything like that. Uh, both of them are going to have a lot of walking. So to me, it's like, especially if you're going to save a few bucks, you say Coronado. I don't just think you can necessarily go wrong in those options. You're also going to get the... Oh, go ahead. Here's here's the one for me. is I like quiet, kind of quiet. Like, that's just me. Like, we're kind of quiet. 
Cornell is more of a hustle and bustle because it is a convention hotel. And you have some of those convention hotels on property, but just that side of property on, on Disney property, you got Old Key West, Four Orleans. It, it's all just kind of quiet. I kind of like that vibe. And you, definitely, if you get a convention while you're at Coronado, it's going to be busy for sure. More in the tower area and in the you know the food court area, but it will absolutely be busy. And the only other thing I'll mention is that you're going to get much more modern rooms at Coronado, much brighter. You know, they're going to feel more like you're staying at a high-end Marriott than you are at like the, I don't want to say older, but oh, I'm going to say older, older Disney, you know, moderately themed hotels. So that, that's my thought on it. That's Chip's thought on it. You, you can't go wrong either way. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. If you have any comments or questions, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to any of us on social media. Uh, or via email, I can be found at, at Adventures of a Disney Dad on all social media platforms. You can email me at Matt at Adventures of a Disney Dad.com. Chip, tell everybody where they can find you. At Robinson Dad Life on Instagram. And I think Robinson Dad Life on TikTok. I think I changed it to that. I think so. I don't know. Hey, there we go. There we go. <laughs> and if you're interested, you know, th- this the the show supports uh, everything we do at adventuresofadisneydad.com. But I'm also a travel agent with the Magic for Less Travel. If you're interested in having me assist you in planning your next Universal or Walt Disney World vacation or Disneyland or Disney Cruise Line, any of those, I you know, we're, we're happy to, to help you with all of them. Please feel free to reach out. All the links to get a free quote are in the show notes. Our services are completely free to you, and we'd love to help you plan your next dream vacation. If you have a moment, we would greatly appreciate it if you could follow, subscribe, like, and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen. We would greatly appreciate it. As always, we know you have a lot of choices when it comes to the content you consume, and we hope this episode brightened your day, helped you plan your next vacation, and we look forward to seeing you next time, and we will catch you in the parks. See you when we see you. All right.